All right, uh, kids, I need to catch you up on some things because your parents and the rest of us have been learning about the topic of faith. And uh, we've spent the entire year up till now learning about it, understanding it, because we want to become people who live out lives of faith. Trust me, the world desperately needs us to live out lives of faith. Amen? I mean, when you look at our world today, it's just a mess. It's filled with hatred and violence and all sorts of different stuff. And we need to be these people who live out lives of faith. So we've been learning about this and we've been um, trying to understand it. And we came up with a definition that we like to use. And so I want to share this definition with you kids. And I've kind of tweaked a little bit of it, but we need to, to memorize this so that when we get into our series, you will hear this and you go, oh yeah, that's what faith is. And here's the definition we're going to use. Faith is believing in the unseen reality of God and believing in what he is doing. Okay? Can we say that out loud together, all the kids and adults? Let's say that out loud, okay? Faith is believing in the unseen reality of God and what he is doing. Very good. That's faith. Guys, the reality is, you can't see God. I know a bunch of you little kids, you got little eagle eyes, and your eyes are perfect. You don't wear glasses and contacts like us old people do. You can see good. But no matter how good you can see, you can't see God. He is invisible. But the truth is, just because he's invisible doesn't make him not real. He's real. He's here. He's with us. He's working all around us. And I want you kids to understand that, that believing in our unseen God and believing that he's at work around us is what a life of faith is all about. Well, we've been looking at how Jesus lived out of life of faith. We've been seeing how he did it because we wanted to know how Jesus did it so that we could start to do it. But regardless of that, I know that many of us, we saw Jesus live this life of faith out where he was in constant awareness of his unseen father. And we saw, man, that's cool, that's really cool how he did that. But we still sit here and think to ourselves, but that was Jesus. Of course he could do that. But what about regular people? People like you and me. Is there anybody in the Bible who lived out lives of faith and they're just regular people? Yes, there is. And that's what we're going to be looking at in this summer series. We're going to be looking at regular people just like you and me who lived out lives of faith. People who are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. That is the chapter that gives us a list of all these great men and women who lived out lives of faith. Now that list is a long list, so we just had to pick certain ones that we're going to cover in this series. And the first guy we're going to be looking at is a guy by the name of Noah. Okay? Now Noah lived a really, really long time ago. And he lived in a time where the earth was really really, and I mean really wicked and evil. It was horrible. I mean, it was so bad that if the humans would have been left to themselves, they would have self-destructed. It would have just been self-destruction. I mean, it was an ugly time. Let me show you what the Bible says about that time. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, 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 evil from morning to light tonight. I mean, guys, if you think the world is evil now, trust me, this is nothing compared to what it was. In fact, in the whole wide world, there was only one righteous man. Guess who that was? Noah. 
Guys, think about that. In the whole wide world, what if I were to say we went into, let's say that we pick a certain subdivision. Let's say the apple orchard subdivisions. And we pointed at the subdivision and says, you know that apple orchard subdivision? There's only one righteous man in that entire subdivision. We'd go, whoa, that's kind of an evil subdivision. Wouldn't want to live there. But what if we were to say, in the whole city of Economoc, there is only one righteous person. We'd go, whoa, Economoc's one wicked city. I wouldn't want to live there. What if we said, in the entire nation of the United States of America, there is only one righteous person. We'd go, wow, what an incredibly wicked nation the United States of America is. Guys, we're talking the entire world. One righteous person. That's how wicked of a world it was. It was really, really evil. Sin had ruined and made a mess out of God's beautiful creation. So God decided to wipe out the evil and in a sense start over. Destroy all the evil, all the mess, all the ruined creation and start over with this one righteous man named Noah. So God let Noah in on what he was going to do. God said to Noah, it's all over. It's the end of the human race. The violence is everywhere. And I'm making a clean sweep. So build yourself a ship from teak wood. Make rooms in it. Coat it with pitch inside and out. Make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Build a roof for it. Put a window. Put in a window 18 inches from the top. Put in a door on the side of the ship. Make three decks, lower, middle, upper. I'm going to bring a flood on the earth that will destroy everything alive under heaven. Total destruction. God tells Noah that he's going to bring a flood on the earth and destroy everything alive under heaven. A flood. Now, you need to understand that Noah wouldn't have really understood what a flood was. He'd probably never even seen a flood. In fact, a lot of Bible scholars actually think Noah didn't even know what rain was. Now, the reason they say that is because there's a passage in in Genesis that says and tells us that rain had not yet come to the earth. Let me show you Genesis chapter 2. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. So tell me, kids, how did God water the earth? With a what? A mist. Some mist would spread over the ground and it would water everything. Rain, God hadn't used rain yet. So Noah most likely had no idea what rain was, let alone what a flood was. This was new to him. So how in the world is God going to flood the world with mist that didn't make sense to him? He didn't know. But he definitely knew what God had said. I am going to bring a flood on the earth that will destroy everything alive under heaven. Total destruction. But God was like, listen, Noah, I'm telling you this because I want you to build an ark. A huge ship made of wood. And these are the dimensions he gave to Noah. He says, let's look at it. He says, I want it to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Now, uh, that's just a bunch of numbers. And us kids, you know, as we look at there, like, I don't know what that picture is. So let's just try to put our minds around that. How many of you guys have been to a football game before? All right. How long is a football field? Can anybody tell me? A hundred yards. That's 300 feet. 
So let's show, let's look here at a football field here. This is a picture of the Bears beating the Packers. <laughs> it's kind of a rare photo, but it's, uh... but anyways, that there is a hundred yards. The ark was one and a half of those. That's how long that ark was. Now, the width of that ark was about the half, half of that field, okay? So picture half that field for one and a half long. And the height of that ark was about as high as this building. Now, it's hard to picture because it gets flat up there. But if you were to walk outside and see the peak, the peak is about 45 feet high. So try to picture a ship or an ark that big. That's what God is asking Noah to build, Okay? I'm going to send a flood, and you need to build it. Now, I want us to just stop for a second. And I want us just to think about this. Think about what God is asking. It's kind of like, you know, you know, you kids, what it's like when mom or dad comes to you, and they're like, hey, honey, grandma and grandpa are coming tomorrow, and they're going to have to sleep in your bedroom tonight, so, or, so you're going to have to clean it up, so make sure you clean it up real good. And you walk to your bedroom, and this is what you see. It looks like this. And you go, oh, brother, do I really got to clean? Can't they sleep in the basement? Well, it's not finished. I don't care. It's grandma and grandpa. They don't care. And you look at that bedroom and you're like, this is going to take me forever to clean this thing up. This is a huge job that my mom and dad have asked me. Now, if you think that's bad, think about Noah. God has just come to Noah and he says, Noah, I want you to build this boat, this ship, this ark, this one that's the size of one and a half football fields, as wide as a football field and as high as this building. You're going to have to put three levels in it, a lower, a middle, and an upper. You're, you're going to have to put a roof on it, and you're going to have to build it well. You're going to have to you know, put the tar in the outside so it doesn't leak. You're going to have to make sure it doesn't fall apart because this is a big flood, and you do not want to sink in this flood. Think about how much work that would be. Now, first of all, Noah had to design it. Now, I don't know what Noah did, you know, as a living. I don't know what he was. But what if he was a chef? God, I, I don't, I, I know how to make tamales, but not an ark. How do I do this? Well, he had to sit down and figure it out. He had to design what this ark was going to look like, how he was going to design it. And there's a lot of details to, to do that. Not only that, he had to do this all by hand. There wasn't a Menards down the road or a Home Depot or a Lowe's down the road where he could buy lumber and nails and glue and tar and all that sort of stuff. No, he had to do everything by hand. And he didn't have electricity where he could use an electric saw and cut it. No, he had to do everything by hand. So he would have had to go into the woods, follow me here, Find the trees, like, okay, I'm going to cut down that tree, and that one's big enough, and I'm going to cut down that tree. And then he would have had to get, you know, find some with them, and they would have had to saw this tree by hand till it fell over. Then they would have had to hook it up to some horses and haul it back to the place where they're building the ark. Then when they finally get there, they have to then carve the, you know, cut the bark off. They have to split the wood, put it into pieces of wood that they can use to build this thing. Guys, think about that. Think about how many times he would have had to go into the woods to do that. Honey, I'm going to cut down some more trees. Honey, I'm going to cut down some more trees. Okay, Noah. Honey, I'm going to be heading out and getting some more trees. Noah, you don't have to tell me every time. Just go. Day in and day out, thousands and thousands of trees. 
he would have had to do this. So what God was asking him to do was huge. This was a lot of work. A lot of work for something that honestly Noah didn't fully understand. He didn't really know what a flood was. He didn't really know how it was going to happen or when it was going to happen. All he knew is that God said it was going to happen. And so for Noah, it must be true. He believed in his unseen God and in what God was doing. And kids, this is what I want you to see here, and adults as well. A person of faith believes in his unseen God and in what God is doing even if he or she doesn't believe it or understand it. You might not understand it, but because God said it, you believe it. Now, let me ask you kids this. If you believe in God, and God says, go build an ark, what are you going to do? Kids? Adults? Anybody? If you believe in God... And God says, go build an ark. What are you going to do? You're going to go build the ark. Exactly. You're going to build it. And why? Because you believe in God. And here's what I want you to see. A person of faith obeys God. Look at the passage in Genesis here. Look what it says here about Noah. This is absolutely incredible. Look at this. Noah did how much? Everything God commanded him to do. Not just half of what God would told him to do, not three quarters, but everything God told him to do. Now we could just blow over that, but that is absolutely amazing. God, Noah did everything God to, told him to do. Talk about a man of faith. And you want to know why he's a man of faith? Because he did everything. His faith was a display, or his obedience was a display of his, of his faith. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. Guys, all by hand. Imagine he's coming up there like, all right, let's see what this is. Okay, we got a market. Of course, he probably didn't have a tape measure, so this is, I'm cheating. And he's like... trees I'm sure that happened to Noah it had to have and that's just one piece imagine cutting hundreds of thousands of those now not only that we can get caught up in him building the ark but there was more that he was asked to do check check this out verse 19 I'm all out of breath God says you are also to take two of each living creature a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with you. Two of every species of bird, mammal, and reptile. Two of everything so as to preserve their lives along with yours. You see, God wanted to save all of the animal kingdom as well. He Then he says this. Now pay attention to this statement. Also, get all the food you'll need and store it up for you and them. Two of each living creature is going to board this ship. Think of how many animals that is. 
And God says, listen, you're going to need to get all the food for not only your family, but for every animal that's going to be on the ark. And you're going to need to collect it, grow it, store it up for, for when you're on this ark. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how much food that is? And not only how much food that is, but the variety of food that was. How many different kinds of food? Because think about it. It's all different animals. A turtle doesn't eat the same thing an antelope eats. You ever seen a turtle eat a strawberry before? <laughs> so he might have had a little container of strawberries for the turtles. Grass for the antelope. A possum doesn't eat the same thing as a lion. What does a possum eat? I don't really know. <laughs> Probably like fruits and veggies and like little bugs and stuff like that. What does a lion eat? Meat. Lions probably got on the ark and said, plenty of food here. Looks good to me. Hummingbirds. They eat different than what bears eat. I got a little story about hummingbirds. Do you want to hear it? It has a very sad ending. What do you think? All right, I'll tell it, but I'm warning you. Sad ending. When I was in Columbia, I was a little kid, and I was walking along, and I came under this tree, and I found this little nest of a hummingbird, and a little hummingbird was in the nest. Just a tiny little sucker. And I got it, and I'm like, oh, and I have I kind of a sucker for little animals. And I, I brought it home, and I showed it to my mom. I'm like, Mom, check out this little hummingbird I got. And she's like, oh, that's so sweet. And I'm like, it's going to die. I need to take care. I need to feed it. And so um, she told me, she says, you know, what, tell me, what do hummingbirds eat? They eat, yeah, they eat nectar. So she said, mix some sugar and water, and then put it on a toothpick, and it will, you know, drink the, the nectar. So I mix some sugar and water, and I'd hold a toothpick, and it would go... And it would it'd eat it, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And, and then I'd put it on the fridge at night to keep it warm, and then the next day I'd feed it again. For like 25 days, I fed this sucker. And it got bigger and bigger, and it started to get all the colors and everything. And it was just this beautiful little hummingbird. And my dad says, hey, look, it's looking like it's big enough to probably fly. You should probably take it out and, you know, let it fly. And so I'm like, okay. So I go outside, and, and I'm holding it. I'm like, fly, little one, you know, and just, you can go. And it's just kind of sitting there, and I'm like, come on, go, and it's not going, so I'm like, well, let me help you, and I was going to pull it out of its nest and, you know, bring it out, and so I, I pull it out of its nest, and I look, and it's like, doesn't have any legs, and I look down at the nest, and here's the two legs sticking out. All the sugar water that I was feeding it would run down his chest, and it all hardened around his legs, so when I pulled, I killed my little pet, Humber. And so I'm like, oh, and I'm trying to put it back together, and I was crying. It was the worst day of my life. The point of the story, guys, is hopefully, well, apparently Noah knew how to take care of hummingbirds a little better than I did. I told you it was a sad ending. It's, there's just nowhere to go from that. But guys, think about it. That's a lot of food for a lot of animals and a lot of different kind of food. Now, on top of building the ark and on top of, you know, feeding the animals, remember God says you got to cover the outside and the inside with what? Pitch or tar. He would have had to collect all of that and put it on the, uh, on the boat. Guys, we're talking about a huge job for Noah. And yet he kept on it day in and day out, obeying what God told him to do. 
Why? Because a man of faith obeys. And not only does he obey, listen to me here, he continually obeys. He obeys, he keeps going and going and going. He doesn't give up. You see, I'm sure there were days where Noah would wake up and he's tired and he's sore from cutting down trees and he's like, I'm doing this all over again. And he's probably nailing things and hits his thumb. He's like, oh, why am I doing? There's not a cloud in the sky. You know, what, what's going on? And he, he's probably discouraged and people are making fun of him and the world's mocking him and, and they're like, oh, your God's an idiot. Well, why are you doing this? And he's probably getting it from all angles. And you know what? Noah didn't give up. He kept going and going and going and going, continually obeying God. You know that many scholars think that it took 75 years for Noah to build this ark. 75 years. Anybody in here 75 years old? No? Imagine, 75 years. That's a lifetime now in our day and age. Imagine an entire life of working on this ark. That's 75 years of obedience to an unseen God that Noah does. He continually obeys God. Guys, let me just say this this morning. Your faith in God will always show forth in your actions. If you believe in God, then you will obey Him. Do you believe that God is working? Then you're going to work alongside of Him. Your faith in God is going to be revealed by your actions. For instance, kids in the room, let me talk to you for a second. Kids in the room, do you believe in God? Good, two of you do. It's awesome. Yes, of course you do. Well, guess what God tells you to do in the Bible? God says, children, obey your parents, for this is right. Now, if you believe in God, children, what are you going to do? Say it loud. Let me hear it. All right. Mom and dad, you heard that. You're going to obey your parents. Why? Because you believe God. Now, does that mean you only obey them on Mondays and Tuesdays? No, you obey them on every day. Does that mean you only obey them until you turn 13 and you figure the whole, everything out in life? No, you obey them till you move out from under their home. Children, obey your parents. That's what God tells you to do. And if you believe God, then that's what you need to do. Now, let me tell you something. If you do that, then you, like Noah, are showing the entire world your faith in God. If friends ask you, why do you obey your parents like that? Because God tells me to, and I believe in God. It's a demonstration of your faith in God. You believe God, therefore you obey your parents because he tells you to do that. Does that make sense? That's what Noah's doing here. And we're going to see this in this entire series. When, when men or women believe in God, they act out. They, they obey. Faith moves into action. So Noah, for 75 years, works and works and works hard to build an ark that God told him to build. He does everything God tells him to do. But then the day finally comes when he's done. And it would have looked a little bit like this. Take a picture. Take a look at this picture. Have you guys heard of the ark encounter? Yeah, it's an ark that just got finished. It just opened like July 7th, somewhere in Tennessee. 
And they have built it to the specifications that we see in Genesis. And you can go in there, you can walk in there, the upper, the upper, middle, and lower level, all the rooms and stuff. And you can kind of see what Noah would have done to build this thing. It's that incredible. But it would look like this. See how huge that thing is? Well, let's see what happens when Noah, with Noah now that he's all done. And I'm just going to read it to you because we don't have time to go through the whole story. And so just picture in your mind's eye what's going on. Next, God said to Noah, Now board the ship, you and all your family. In just seven days, I'm going to pour out rain on earth for, for 40 days and 40 nights. I'll make a clean sweep of everything that I've made. And Noah did everything God commanded him. Now, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters covered the earth. Noah and his wife and sons and their wives boarded the ship to escape the flood. And with them, every kind of wild and domestic animal, right down to all the kinds of creatures that crawl and all the kinds of birds and anything that flies, they came to Noah and to the ship in pairs. Everything and anything that had the breath of life in it, male and female of every creature, came just as God had commanded Noah. Then God shut the door behind him. It was the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, that it happened. All the underground springs erupted, and all the windows of heaven were thrown open, and rain poured out for 40 days and 40 nights. The flood continued 40 days, over, and the waters rose and lifted the ship high over the earth. The waters kept rising and the flood deepened on the earth. The ship floated on the surface and the flood got worse and worse until all the highest mountains were covered. The high water mark reached 20 feet above the crest of the mountains and everything died. Only Noah, his family, and the animals on the ark lived. Now I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to ask you guys a question. Tell me, why did Noah and his family and the animals live? Because Noah what? What did he do first before he obeyed? He believed. He believed in God and what he was doing. And out of that belief, what did he do? He obeyed. And that obedience, and in that obedience, he built an ark. And because of that, his family and the animals were saved. Now let me ask you guys something. Who also benefited from Noah's obedience and Noah's faith? Say it out loud, I can't hear it. All of us, exactly. Do you realize that you would not be here today if Noah had not believed in God and obeyed Him. But because He did, we're here today. We're here today. And guys, it's because of that that Noah is mentioned in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Let me show you what it says about him. It says, by faith, Noah, when, worried about, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Do you see that? By faith, Noah built the ark. He was warned of these things to come. He couldn't see it. He couldn't understand it. But he still obeyed and built the ark. And therefore, he is remembered as a great man of faith. 
So kids and adults in the room, here's the takeaway. Faith is believing in God, our unseen God, and in what He is doing. And if you believe in God and what He's doing, guess what? You're going to obey God. And, it, and that obedience is going to be an action. He's going to call you to do something. And when He calls you to do something, how long do we do it? As long as we need to. If God tells you to do something, how much do we do of it? All of it. That will prove to the world that you are a man or woman or boy or girl of faith. And guys, can I just say this? The world desperately needs us to live out our lives of faith. Amen? Look at the world around us. It's hurting. It's wounded. It's violent. It's full of hate and grief. And it needs us to become men and women, boys and girls of faith who live out and do what God tells us to do. That's what the world needs. So let's do it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every person in this room. And God, our prayer this morning is that we wouldn't just sit around and say we believe in you and say we have faith in you and do nothing. That isn't faith. I pray that we would become people who believe in you and then obey you and move into action so that this world might see you, Jesus. I pray this for every boy and girl and man and woman in the room today. In Jesus' name, amen.